go. I'm going to start hearing my voice now in three different places. <laughs> uh, okay, good. All right, we are live. Very, very good. We are definitely live. We are extremely live. Welcome, everyone. This is meetup number 59, all right, in the Data on Kubernetes community. I'm very happy to be joined by someone who I met quite a while ago in terms of Data on Kubernetes history, if we're thinking about that. Um, and his name is Benoit, but goes by Ben. Yep. I'm not even going to attempt to say your last name because that gets very embarrassing when Americans try to speak Dutch. <laughs> no worries. Um, so I'm not going to embarrass you. Um, welcome, Benoit. It's very nice to have you with us. Um, tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you're going to be talking about today. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, SRE. Uh, I am from actually the Netherlands. Uh, I uh, love uh, open source. Uh, I love being an SRE because it takes me all over the place to the organization. Um, I am actually half French, hence the first name that is French and the last name that is Dutch. So for me, the problem is that in the Netherlands, nobody can speak my first name because it's French. And in France, nobody can speak my last name because it's Dutch. So that's always great. Thank you, parents. Um, and I'm going to talk so how, about how do you, Really quickly, though, how do you pronounce your, your surname? How do you say your last name? Uh, my last name is Schipper. Yeah, I'm not going to try. Yeah, it's basically the English word Skipper. But with a little dust Dutch yeah, twist yeah, there yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, 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 cool. And the thing is, I'm even trying to think about, I should have done my, my homework before we got here, but about when we started talking, did I contact you on LinkedIn, I think? Maybe it was, yeah. I think it was late it last was year. LinkedIn, yeah. And you're like, who is this crazy guy? But here we are. <laughs> who is this crazy guy uh, with yeah, the yeah. horn? Yeah. yeah, with the horn. Anyway, Ben is a great community member, uh, active in our Slack, helping folks out, sharing resources, answering questions, exactly what we're looking for in the data on Kubernetes community. Just a reminder, if you're new, if this is your first meetup, we have a lot of meetups planned. We have a lot of stuff going on in Slack. You can check us out on Twitter, on LinkedIn. If you would like to give a talk, uh, we're going to be doing a talk next week with the CNCF students group. Very excited about doing introductory sessions to, uh, we did an uh, introductory session about Docker last month. We'll be doing one next week about introduction to uh, Kubernetes. So it's kind of extending that knowledge out because we want people with, uh, with lots of different backgrounds and experience. But speaking of experience, you mentioned previously that you were a networking engineer, but how did you get started in all this world of, of ops, networking, and, and then into SRE? Wow. Um, I actually started at a call center myself. I was a support engineer for Western Digital, actually. Uh, after a few months, I uh, got into like more of a managerial role where I was leading with like the difficult technical uh, problems, because before that, I was like hobbying with computers all around all, all with my throughout my youth. Um, and afterwards, I, uh, I was like, I have to study something because uh, it's important. So I studied business IT and management. And while studying that, I, uh, I actually got into the IT department um, and then eventually became network engineer in that same company when I, uh, when I graduated as well. I got my bachelor. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, I'm a network engineer doing this for three years now. And then I looked around, it's like, all right, um, I've pretty much done like most of the stuff. I'm not going to learn that much anymore. And then I and then I was looking around. And then actually, the company I work for now, HCS, contacted me and I was like, uh, "Want to work for us? We do cool stuff with the Linux, open source, uh, OpenShift, whatever, Kubernetes." Like, uh, uh, yeah, sure. I've never done anything like that, but uh, sure, if you think I'm a good fit, then uh, let's go. And and from that point on, I. I know I just got like Reddit exams and I did my certifications and I started working for a company and like the SRE role clicked straight away. It kind of fit fit with my technical background plus my uh, business IT management uh, bachelor. Uh, and uh, together it's a perfect combination to become an SRE. So uh, that's where I'm now. 
with that in mind, what, because we were talking about this, it, it does feel like in the last, I don't know, six months, definitely a year that this term SRE is becoming more common. Previously, we can say maybe hearing a lot about DevOps, some of the DevOps folks might feel threatened about the arrival of SRE. When you first heard, do you remember when you first heard about SRE or who you heard it from and how you imagined it? Or, or you know, like you said, because your background, it, it, it did fit quite well. But what was it like when you first heard about it? Um, I actually heard about it quite a while ago because it exists quite a, quite a long time already, like from, from Google's perspective, at least. Um, and I've always like when I started in IT, I've always aspired to like, oh, well, wow, it would be really cool to be an SRE, but never really thought in my mind that that, that that I would actually get to the point that I'm becoming an SRE myself. So um, it, it might be that something all the way like 10 years ago in my head clicked and, uh, and subconsciously got me to become an SRE. So yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah, with that in mind as well too, just, just really quickly, because we were talking about this previously, differences in your mind, you know, and because I think this maybe gets a little bit challenging too sometimes, and we can, we'll, we'll look at this a little bit more in detail, but about because of the fact that it came from Google, you know, the same way of like, you know, Kubernetes comes from Google or, you know, coming from Borg originally, um, you know, is SRE only a Google thing? Google is a very unique company with a very unique internal tech stack. Um, obviously, the, the folks that work there as well, too, are going to have an influence on it. Does SRE change depending on the organization? Do you think it will be codified in the same way that DevOps has been? What do you think about that? I don't, I don't think, well, first of all, I would say that SRE is definitely a thing of like, not only Google, like it can definitely work out in many different companies. Uh, even companies that don't even do anything with uh, Kubernetes or anything like that, that still, that still work like in data centers or with VMs. I mean, you have so many different aspects of uh, site, reliability, site reliability engineering that would fit in traditional organizations. I mean, the whole observability thing, you can apply that to um, uh, to bare metal uh, uh, installations, as long as you get more insights and prevent more outages, that's already something that that SREs focus on. So it, it doesn't doesn't have uh, doesn't have it shouldn't have the stigma of only being uh, applicable for like these cool organizations like uh, uh, like Amazon or uh, any uh, or Google or anything like that, like the big big corporations across the world. It should it definitely has a place in 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 the multitude of a variety of companies and. Yeah, I, I hope I hope to change that actually. <laughs> With that in mind, I think that's like you said, it's is it is it really just a static thing? And we'll look at this a little bit later on as well about how this gets applied in the Netherlands, as well as some other wonderful things, wonderful lessons that we can all learn from the Netherlands, culturally speaking, about, about how to be more honest with ourselves and also with each other. Um, but with that in mind. Uh, explaining SRE to a company, how does that work? And normally who are the stakeholders that are involved in those conversations? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I would say uh, explaining SRE, geez. A lot of the companies, they actually search for like DevOps engineers, but there are companies, the one for I'm working now, that actually searches for uh, SREs. Uh, but a lot of the times I see that companies have like list a whole IT department when they uh, try to get an SRE. And they always focus on the hard skills, like the technical skills, but they never, they barely focus on the soft skills. Uh, it could be that it's because they first want to check if you have the hard skills, then, you know, get an interview and see if you have the soft skills. But even, even when I've had interviews, um, they still focus on the hard skills. Um, but this last employer that I've, uh, that the employer that I'm working for now actually asked me in interview, if there's a problem, do you, do, are you going, like, are you going to fix it or, 
are going to wait till it's fixed. And you have, and like, they were looking for the mindset of I'm going to fix it no matter the cost, right? You're going to go through the whole organization, even, even if you have to talk to 200 people to go and fix it. And they were looking for that mindset. That's, that's a part of site reliability engineering that's important. So, um, yeah. That. No, that's good. That's good. I think also as well, too, is that with that in mind, um, thinking about problems, and, and I got to know this firsthand because in the past of working with uh, IT, you know, infrastructure, infrastructure folks, DevOps folks, and, you know, it seemed like, you know, 110% of their job was just dealing with problems and stuff breaking and fires and production and all this kind of stuff. So with that, with that in mind, you know, there, there does have to be an understanding that, you know, I will be dealing with problems on a regular basis, sometimes calling them firefighters, you know, all these different kinds of, uh, of terms would be used. And it's interesting though that you mentioned the, the, the factor, uh, the, the important point of, of mindset. In your academic career, was this mindset something that you, that you learned in university? It's something that you developed over time? It's something that you have uniquely? What would you say? Uh, it could be slightly cultural because in the Netherlands, uh, we do have this uh, efficiency mindset. Everything has to be as efficient as possible. Uh, we also are allowed in the Netherlands to say what we think. So uh, it definitely makes a difference to get to the point and say what you think quickly uh, rather than uh, not saying what you think and let it escalate. Uh, but it, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's like something that I only have or developed. It's just something that I'm, that I'm like, even if I, if I would uh, work at a grocery store, I would try to do it to the best of my abilities. Um, I just, I just, just was brought up that way. Um, I guess my my, uh, my mother worked in a hospital. My dad was a was a policeman, so I kind of got I kind of got this like service uh, natively in the, when I was born, basically, as yeah. a service. <laughs> but that's interesting because you know if you look at the you know the books about you know ninety seven things that every SRE must have or things like that, uh, and and I haven't read that, and maybe you have. Um, but I think that as much as we can talk about the hard skills, we can definitely talk about soft skills and talking about company culture, talking about these things related to mindset. These are recurring themes and topics that we have very often in, in the data on Kubernetes community, because while we are talking about technologies, there has to be the right mindset. And, and very often as well too, talking about a beginner's mind, something you mentioned as well too, is that you know you go into a company and they might be like, well, you're the expert, you're the SRE, so you're gonna have answers for everything. Is that the case? Do you have answers for everything? No, I don't have the answer for everything, but I might have a, the best ability or the best way to think where the problem might be and then get to the solution as fast as possible. That's why it's so important to know like uh, the big picture and the, or the organization. You have to know uh, the processes, you have to know that surround your application, you have to know the, the technical part of the application, and you have to know the surroundings of the application. Like if there's a problem outside your application, I still want to know that it's there so that if there's a problem, I can say, oh, this looks kind of like there's a database problem, for example, or this looks kind of like there's a network problem, for example. I mean, that's why it's so important to not just only look and focus on your on your own application, but look like look through the big picture, like zoom out all the way throughout your company, your main processes, anything like anything that could help you. To tackle the to tackle or to find a problem as soon as possible and then solve it, and that that's more like of course the firefighting standpoint. But you can also work on that proactively. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think I think it's a good way of putting it. And also what we we had said before before we started the meetup is that it's interesting that you know the higher you up you go in tech, the more often that maybe you might feel pressure that you do have to have an answer and that saying you know I don't know. But you know, like you said, is that you know you're not paying me to have an answer for everything. You're paying me to be a proactive person who has the necessary skills to be able to find, diagnose, 
and also be able to keep a cool head while it's going on. Yeah, and don't, don't, yeah, yeah, don't, ahead, be, afraid to, don't be afraid to say no, right? If you don't know something, like you, you can always say, I don't know yet, right? Like you don't have to have the answer for everything. It's, it's just more important to find out what the problem is than to say, yes, I know it. And then afterwards you're struggling to find the problem because that's just giving false expectations. Absolutely. And that's, you know, in, in my particular case, being the leader of a technological community that's very much focused on, um, on technologies that are very, very new. And a lot of things that I personally don't understand, having not, you know, had hands-on experience of, I think just being as transparent and upfront about those things as possible, it's much, much better so that you don't end up creating those kind of expectations. Exactly. Now, to make sure that we get to some of the stuff that you wanted to focus on, this first question, just a reminder to everyone in the audience, if you have questions, comments, please feel free to put them in, in, in the YouTube uh, comment section. And if not, we can always continue the conversation later on today, this week, next week in Slack. Um, so first question that, uh, that Ben mentioned, though, is that do you believe um, that technical application management will replace SRE in the long term? Perhaps maybe can we just get a definition of technical application management? I'll get to it more in, 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 uh, in more in detail in the, in the presentation, but okay. technical, technical application management, I would see as a predecessor to SRE. Okay. I, I would call it that, but I'll, I'll get more, I'll get more into it during the, uh, during okay. The okay. Okay. So let's jump into the presentation then. Let's sure. jump into the presentation. Sure. Yeah. Let's go for that. But once okay. again, just as a reminder, ask questions. Um, then I don't know if you want to answer questions uh, on the spot or if you prefer to wait until after the presentation, whatever you want to do. Um, it's, it's not going to be like a, like an hour long presentation. Uh, so it's, it, it should, it should be, should be like 10 minutes. So probably Easy better. To get back it, to, yeah. So we'll just save the questions for afterwards. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to start then. <laughs> uh, welcome all. Thanks again for having me, uh, doc and Bart. Uh, today I'm going to talk about SRE, but, uh, not exactly what is SRE, but more to consider when implementing it, when implementing it. So. A little bit about me, a little bit more about me, because I've already talked a little bit about me. Uh, uh, my name's Benoit Schipper, uh, but you can call me Ben. Uh, um, here's a bit of a word of a word cloud of stuff that I like. Uh, I work as an SRE for uh, as as, a, as an SRE consultant for HES company. Uh, I love automation. I work a lot with uh, Kubernetes or OpenShift, either in a data center or in the cloud. Uh, off duty, I love sailing, playing uh, RPGs for a long time already. And traveling all over the place. So let's let's get like. Wait, did you say RPGs? Uh, yeah, role playing games. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Not rocket propelled. Not grenades. not all rocket right, propelling okay. grenades. No, 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 no. That's a whole different game. Sorry, I guess <laughs> it's just Amer being very American. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> site reliability engineering. So, most of us have already heard about uh, site reliability engineering or SRE in short. I mean, uh, many books have been written. Uh, but for those who have not, uh, SREs typically surround themselves with uh, availability, latency, performance or efficiency, up to change management, uh, monitoring, uh, even emergency response and capacity planning. And usually they do this for an application or a stack of applications. Uh, SRE supplies the bridge between development and operations. I mean, for me, they make IT happen. Uh, as you can see in the picture, you have the people with dev and ops pointing to each other, and the SRE is the is the like the red person in the middle that makes them join hands and make sure that the application runs. So SREs not only play a vital role in keeping the application reliable, but also in properly bringing new versions to production, especially when it comes to uh, developing good reliable solutions. Uh, they find themselves all over the place. So in fact, 
they're a kind of like enabler uh, or guardian of the uh, non-functional uh, quality characteristics of software or systems. I mean, they even have their own ISO norm, uh, it's uh, 25010 if you're bored. Uh, however, uh, with the adoption comes a question, how do you adopt ESRI within the organization? And can you do it the same way uh, in every country? I mean, let us take a look at my home country, uh, the country of Python and Wi-Fi, uh, Netherlands, because the Netherlands is a bit different and not in the way you might be familiar with. So in the Netherlands, we have a position in between dev and ops called technical application management. In Dutch, we call it TAB. Uh, this position was created back in the day when ITIL reigned supreme uh, in operations management. So uh, let me break down the traditional Dutch IT operation setup. There are guys who are uh, developing and maintaining the application. And there are guys who are providing the infrastructure and maintaining this. But then who is bringing the next version of the application to production and keeping it alive on a daily basis? Well, those are the silent heroes of the organization. Um, this is what we call technical application management or TAB in Dutch. Also, ops is usually uh, reserved for infrastructure, but applications use a more generic, uh, applications use more than one uh, generic IT facility, such as uh, one of them is middleware, for example. Uh, middleware is a bit stuck in between dev and ops as well, but for this talk, talk I'm gonna focus on the application side of technical application management. But if you'd like to know more, let's have another talk, Bart. So if our technical account, uh, uh, technical, account uh, technical application management or in Dutch tab already supplies the bridge between development and operations, then do we even need SRE? We already have something in place. I mean, I believe as an SRE, there should be a place for SRE within Dutch organizations. But if you look at it at first glance, they look very similar, but there are some key differences. The SRE placement within the organization differs in a way that there's more placement towards the development side of things as opposed to the infrastructure side. Uh, there's also a tech skill difference, uh, coding something completely different than uh, typing something, something into the CLI. You, know, you go more from like a CLI bashing to everything as a code. Uh, also culturally, an SRE typically more inclined to work cross team or cross departments unburdened by like the, the typical idle processes. So more from a, from a siloed way of working to a more synergetic way of working with a healthy dose of DevOps best practices, of course. On top of all of this, uh, their service orientation differs also. Uh, traditionally from a more reactive way to a more proactive way. So preventing problems instead of just solving them. So from there and from all of this, we can conclude that there is a difference in both hard and technical skills soft skills and attitude for an SRE and a tab. So let's get real. I believe in a, uh, the next step in the evolution of technical application management or tab in Dutch as sort of a technical application management 2.0 stuck in the middle between the business and ops, between development and the end user, a true next level IT warrior. Uh, I believe the SRE was born at Google within the US due to the need for something that in the Netherlands was partly covered by technical application management. So yes, we do need it. We need it everywhere. 
but the implementation vastly differs throughout the world. Positions such as technical account management, uh, sorry, technical application management in the Netherlands might be an advantage, but it could just be a well, it could well just be a disadvantage. I mean, implementing something new might be much easier than changing something that is already in place. So that actually <laughs> concludes my presentation. Uh, just to give you a small insight on how to look at uh, to look at an implementation uh, regarding SRE and how how it would how it might work in the Netherlands. So uh, thanks, Bart. Fantastic. I was just writing in the chat. Um, I want to know then what when is your book coming out and when will <laughs> you be giving a TED talk? You're super good. <laughs> this is super super good. Um, and as you said, we will have to do another meetup because I think there's there's tons of different things that we can that we can look at. This is a really, really nice summary. Um, and also as well too, particularly because being someone from the United States and, and under, you know, like you said, there is the technological context, there's a cultural context or the business context that's gonna affect that. I feel like in some ways, because of the pandemic, we've become a more global society or I would think that we should be. And, and also that we should be employing empathy more, more often seeing how many different countries are being very affected by, by a similar problem. Um, so hopefully that can permeate some of these other areas as well. Can I get you to stop sharing your screen just so that we can sure. both be we yeah. both be featured? Um, now, so you mentioned this, uh, and I'm just curious as well because it seems like often in the, in the, in the Netherlands that, uh, so the B in TAB, how do you say that in Dutch? It's a beheer. So it's a technisch applicatie beheer in Dutch. Okay, so behind means management then? I'm kind of, yeah. It, my it, incredible it, translation. It almost, it, it, it actually would translate perfectly to, Whoops, it actually sorry. would, it actually would translate perfectly. We are live. It, actually, live. It, it actually would translate perfectly to operations, but then it would be confusing. So I use the words management because you're kind of managing the application. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so it's a slightly different touch than we can say than, than just going directly for management. All right. Yeah. Um, now, so going back to then to, to the question, all right, do you imagine that one will overtake the other? Mm. That technical application management will replace SRE in the long term in terms of how it's framed, the issues that it addresses, uh, that it addresses the problems that it responds to? I think I think it might, uh, but it's going to take a while. I mean, there's there's there in Netherlands there's so many traditional uh, uh, organizations that have this this technical account management set up, uh, and I'm I'm talking mostly also about government, and they don't they don't, I would say they don't really want to go and change all those processes. I mean, uh, going uh, through several companies now and trying to implement uh, the more DevOps type of working has already proved challenging because. Some people are uh, more inclined to just work within their silo. They don't want to, they don't want to, they just want to, for example, like a developer might just want to develop or something, but does infrastructure just want to do infrastructure. They don't, they don't necessarily want to just go ahead and be responsible together for the application or to have it, to have it up and running. A lot of the times what I see and what I think is problematic in organizations is that, uh, um, that a developer, for example, uh, releases software and then just goes home and the people uh, get the person who gets called is somebody from infrastructure or somebody from technical application management and that that should stop i mean we should put the responsibility uh, with the people who create the software for example and that's basically the devil's best practice right that's good and with that in mind too is because and we because we just got a question about this in the chat um is you know when we talk about silos 
we've had folks coming on here talking about chaos engineering. Actually, had a really good one, uh, Jurgen from Kepton, that was explaining about how you know don't get chaos engineering just in production. You want to have it all the way back with CI/CD, and once again, then that it's not that you're just going to have you know four or five uh, people in an organization they're going to be thinking about chaos engineering, but uh, let's get this as shared as possible. Um, but the question that we got here in 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 the chat. Uh, which somebody's already answering, which is great. We have very good <laughs> The question from Rax uh, Romers is, can you explain where chaos engineering fits into SRE or is it altogether separate? I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's altogether separate because it would definitely fit into like a, like a CICD pipeline uh, thing. And, it, and as part as uh, automating it, it would definitely fit like, a, like in a niche way uh, on, under SRE. Uh, the reason being is that, uh, like you said before, Bart, I, like I, I would prefer not to have just a department that focuses on chaos engineering. I yeah. would prefer an, uh, prefer, for example, an, an SRE or multiple SREs to work with uh, a chaos engineering platform, supply uh, providing that to the development teams, so they would be able to use that in their pipeline. So I'm gonna I'm gonna release my software. Okay, uh, but before that, we're going to go through a, a pipeline that uh, does the chaos engineering, and it's all prepared for me. The SREs of has already done everything for me. I just have to click and add it to my pipeline, and then the developer can use it. So it's it's basically chaos engineering as a service by SRE. Very very good. Follow up question to that is uh, from. Ivan asking, would it be possible to set up some kind of comparison sheet to show the difference, uh, the pros and cons, old and new, between SRE and TAP? Yeah, that's definitely something. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm working on the more of like a, let's say, a white paper with one of my esteemed colleagues, uh, one of my esteemed colleagues. And um, uh, I'm actually going to do that, but it's going to be in Dutch initially. So uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, I gotta, maybe. I gotta say, Benoit is a very good reason to learn Dutch because you have a lot of stuff in Dutch. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. And and uh, but obviously, I'm, I'm my translation skills will be pretty useless. But I would yeah. be happy to share it uh, once you have it in English or Dutch. We actually do have a subgroup in our um, in our Slack and data on Kubernetes. Um, called Nader Cube um, <laughs> to have uh, folks from the Netherlands to be able to talk about this stuff. Um, and anyway, that's that's all good. Now we got another we got another question. Oh, and you're getting some support from your company. They love you very much. I can imagine why. <laughs> um, so HCS, you made a very good choice hiring Ben. Now, next <laughs> question from Mark Bruins. So, what is the end? What what in, in the end? What is the business value of SRE according to you, Ben? What would you say? Wow, uh, the business value of SRE. Uh, well, the end goal of an SRE is to automate itself away. So uh, I would say that, uh, that that's definitely uh, that's definitely a benefit to the organization. Instead of having uh, like a multitude of like teams working on a, a part of uh, a part of the application or part of the application stack or infrastructure or anything like that, uh, automate it and then uh, make sure you, you're able to uh, to reliably use it. And that would, I would, I mean, it would definitely get rid of uh, like the menial to toil or any tasks that you don't really want to do every day. And so you can focus on actually um, providing or, or improving the application or improving infrastructure. Um, taking away those, those toil tasks is definitely, uh, definitely a big task. Um, yeah. Leave it okay. at that at the moment. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, but you imagine a future where you automate yourself out of your own job. <laughs> that would be cool. 
that can go somewhere else because there's many IT companies that need SRE. So, uh. and it's and it's funny is that as much as, because that that seems to be an interesting thing, and that's a that's a sort of fearful element that comes in when we talk about Kubernetes because people hear the word automation, then they assume I'm not going to have a job. But it seems like there is plenty of work out there. I mean, like you only have to look and see how many open positions there are for DevOps, for infra engineers. Well, if I you, mean, the thing is people shouldn't be afraid. If you, if you get rid of all the toil, like all the menial tasks that you don't really want to do, but you, you, you're doing because you want to keep your job, you can use that time to create new insights, like just focus, uh, check your monitoring, check your logs, create new insights, and then find something to, to possibly improve your application even more. So it's like a win-win situation. I mean, Work work's never done. Let's just call it that. There's always something else to commit. That's it. You can work seven days a week, three sixty five, yep. yeah, you know, days a year, and, and there's always going to be something else. With with that in mind, and you know, because like you said, avoiding focusing on these sort of menial toil tasks. Um, when because you know, one of the other things we want to talk about is what's the most difficult thing. In, you know, uh, HCS obviously works with uh, a variety of different kinds of companies. What's the most difficult thing about implementing SRE when you get inside an organization? Because like you said, you need to have a lot of background information. And sometimes companies get really sensitive because they're like, it's not just that this is, maybe it's one question being confidential, but sometimes things can be embarrassing about expenditures, about legacy code, about why things are organized the way they are. So you might have to, you might find yourself in a pretty delicate situation sometimes with certain stakeholders so like I said, what's, what's, what are some of the major challenges that you have when trying to implement SRE in an organization? Major challenges are, um, I, I wouldn't say not necessarily implementing SRE, but definitely the devil's best practices that come with it. Um, so for example, uh, being able to see uh, uh, production uh, information in production databases. That's, that's one of those things that uh, a lot of companies have like segmented the way so that only one person can check it or whatever, which is not very ni uh, very uh, great if you're in a DevOps team because the DevOps team's responsible for the application. Then if they get called during the night and they can't do anything because they can't see it, then how do you expect them to solve the problem, right? That's that, that's something that, that I, I, I actually get to uh, talk about a lot uh, through the organization. Like, you have to trust your people to uh, uh, to go to to, to use the data uh, responsibly and to, and and I uh, say that like you, you like I said you, you can't expect somebody to solve something without seeing the information that's just that's just that's just a, like a, a no-brainer but I, I still see it a lot that they still don't want to do it like it, it, it takes a lot of persuasion to actually get that done. And I understand, like you don't have to show all the data, but uh, uh, but uh, maybe and maybe there's other ways you can you can create a like a DevOps app or something that's only for your team that can do a certain uh, a certain menial tasks like uh, uh, deleting something in a database. That's that's like a regular thing that happens. For example, if you if you have a problem in in in, in production and you, you didn't solve it straight away, then instead of you know getting everybody access to the database and deleting stuff, which not really not really prefer preferable. Yeah, you might want to just make like a, a like a, a subsection in your DevOps app where you would uh, uh, make this operation so that you just have to click and it's done. So, yeah, it, it's difficult to 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 get to get the implementation, uh, especially when it comes to rights to seeing stuff within the organization. It's definitely delicate. In the Netherlands, I might get away with you know being Dutch uh, because I kind of say what I think, but. Uh, but in other countries, I probably would have to be a bit more delicate. 
That's true. And that, but that, but I can see why that would make it challenging as you're only trying to be transparent and give them information so they can make better decisions. But sometimes that information, depending on the culture in terms of how you have to, you know, package things or whatever. But, but I understand that sometimes like, look, what do you prefer? Um, you know, an extra dose of kindness, but perhaps losing some clarity or total clarity and, and some, an answer that's more direct that might hurt your feelings a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's tricky. Thinking about stakeholders, do you normally, does SRE start, you know, do we go from the top to the bottom? Is it generally starting with, um, you know, C-level staff or is it starting with developers or you do both simultaneously? Where does, how does that work? Wow. Um, I think it, I think it's more of, because uh, um, it's kind of related to DevOps as well with its best practices. I would say what I see happening, and that's only my experience, is that it's more of a bottom-up movement. Uh, the reason being is that, uh, well, in my experience, a lot of the people that are from the top, like, let's say, uh, architecture uh, type of uh, people that uh, try, uh, design, uh, try and design the, uh, the landscape or enterprise architects, anything like that, they, they kind of clash with like the devil's, uh, the devil's best practices and the way that SRE might want to do things. Uh, that, and that's because they usually come from a more traditional standpoint, uh, let's just call it 20 years ago. Uh, uh, and, and, and we developers uh, or op uh, people from operations and now DevOps and SREs, we try to, to get to it from a completely different angle. So there's a really like a big miss, kind of like a, a misfit between, uh, between management and then uh, the people that are actually doing the work. Let's call it that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. But, but I think it's also, once again, when we're talking about, you know, change management, because that's a huge topic in all of this is, you know, uh, when is the management team ready for one of the developers, you know, kind of testing, testing the maturity levels. And which yeah. is why there are, I think there always needs to be a big period of dialogue and just getting a lot of questions out in the open. What's, what's, what's difficult as well is that a lot of companies, they sort of start doing like a test. So like this one team is going to do DevOps and then it gradually grows usually through the, uh, through the organization because it works, right? So people start adopting it from other teams. They say, oh, that team's doing cool stuff. I want to do that as well. And then it's it slowly grows. So that's that's kind of the reason why a lot of times I see a bottom-up movement. Um, and But it also gives challenges because then if you start small and if you start only like with a certain department, then uh, maybe another department, for example, uh, like somebody uh, like that does database management or something, is completely not used to the way that this development team's working. And if there is a disconnect for like one or two years, then it's definitely going to, you know, grow like grow exponentially uh, in different ways, uh, where um, a DevOps person might expect something like a like a like a, a service from the, the database uh, team that the database team is not even like uh, providing or can provide, um, and the way that uh, DevOps team are like responsible for their own stuff. Uh, it's also uh, it can also be a mismatch with uh, with other teams that might not work that way or have separate operations and separate development. So it's it, it can be very challenging to to be in an organization starting like with DevOps. You're gonna get you're gonna hit a lot of brick walls. Yeah. With that in mind, uh, someone in in the chat asked, "Is SRE the missing link for DevOps in parentheses in Dutch companies?" Hmm. I would I would say that it's definitely like like because because we do have tab already so technical application management I, I definitely would say that it's an upgrade from the current state of technical application management. You could you could call it the missing link. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, I, I would say SRE is more of like the uh, the embodiment of DevOps best practices. Okay, 
Um, further down, uh, just a comment. Chat ops is a great way to implement DevOps functionality with guardrails and hand it off to developers at large. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes, I do. Good. Okay. <laughs> it, it was tough, but you but you got it out, right? So you do agree. All right. Um, very very good. Now going going back to some other questions that we got through through Slack. Um, if someone wants to get started out in SRE, you know, if they're, if you're thinking about, you know, career path and career progression, you know, just sometimes this might sound really silly, but you know, how old does somebody need to be? Does it matter? Um, it, you know, thinking about things like certifications, what kind of stuff would a junior SRE do? What do you think? If, if, some, if a junior SRE would start in an organization, I would definitely get it to, uh, first of all, know the culture of the organization he's in. Uh, technical stack and uh, read a lot of the documentation if there's any right uh, pair up with uh, developers or, or people from infrastructure uh, get the ins and outs of the application uh, functionality and its usage uh, adjust outdated doc documentation that's a lot of the times I mean even Google I think uh, mentions that in their uh, in their books um, fix or sideline with outages that might occur so uh, tag along when there is an outage so that you get to learn uh, more ins and outs about the application. Um, uh, think about what might improve the reliability or, uh, for example, more observability or different monitoring. And def uh, I think the most important of all is claim your position. So uh, st stand strong. Even if you hit brick walls, just go right through them. Wow. Have you been, how many brick walls have you been through? Many. <laughs> I've Thick skin by now. Okay. Scar is still a tail. All right. What, yeah. And so, with, with that in mind, you know, what what would be an example of a brick wall without mentioning names or getting too specific? Well, those traditional ITIL processes that I was talking about, like uh, uh, change management. Like if, if there was a certain application that was uh, onboarded 20 years ago, uh, change management still wants to have it done is exactly the same way that it's been doing those past 20 years. If I do a little change, then it needs to go through like the cab and some board and whatever. And it takes 20 years for it to get done. Uh, instead of just me going, let's just go and try it in development, test and acceptance, for example, first, you know, we, we could always just go back and say, oh, this is not working. We can change it again. No, we have to go through this whole process of like uh, approval and whatever it takes. It takes like 20 years. I mean, uh, what is this book called again? Um, uh, the Phoenix Project. I mean, that's a good example, right? Mm. So mm. Uh, if you haven't read that, by the way, you have to read it. Everybody read the Phoenix Project. All right, get that right now. Must must thing for SREs. Okay, okay, that's good to know. Um, one, we got a follow up question from Mark. Um, seems a little bit on the on the comical side, but says so. If we don't have tabs in our enterprise, we don't need SRE. Oh yes, you do. I mean, that's that's why Google uh, initially uh, actually uh, thought of the uh, uh, the SRE role, right? I mean, they had the. The, 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 the gap between development and ops and SRE kind of filled that gap, maybe in a different way the technical, technical application management initially did that in Netherlands, uh, but there's definitely, there's definitely a role if you don't have anything in between dev and ops for SREs in the organization, definitely. Yeah, with, with that in mind as well, one of the questions that we got previously from some, some folks in Slack was, um, does it strike you as interesting, you know, when we talk about, you know, talent gap and looking for these roles and whether it's juniors or seniors or anything that uh, companies are having a really hard time from what I can tell to fill roles that are frequently related to infrastructure, DevOps, SRE, 
it's kind of curious that there are lots of, you know, coding boot camps generally for, you know, front end or full stack developers, but it doesn't seem that that's really the case when we think about infrastructure. Um, how do you think that young professionals can get the necessary technical skills then um, in order to be able to work in these DevOps SRE type positions? Uh, well, the best thing to get is experience, but that's easy, 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 easier said than done, obviously, because you need to get hired. Uh, you can always play around with a lot of open source things. Uh, open source is free. A lot of times you can even install it on your Raspberry Pi. So it's not that it's, that it's expensive or anything. You should be able to just do it. Um, and the reason why I think there's a lot of like development boot camps as, as opposed to maybe infrastructure type of boot camps or anything like that is that probably due to the shift of uh, going towards DevOps, um, those developer boot camps might actually supply the demand for, uh, for, for actually, uh, for infra, even for infrastructure people, because they're going to, uh, towards more of a, um, uh, like a, everything as a code. So yeah. you have to change that mindset from like typing something into CLI where you get input output uh, towards uh, uh, conceptualizing something, making a, a program or an application or anything like that to, uh, to think ahead of time and say, oh, I want to have this output. In, in, instead of having the exact, uh, in, instead of just typing something and then getting the output. So it's a complete different, uh, conceptually a different way of thinking and developing is definitely different than typing stuff in the CLI. Very, very good points. Um, now, another question, how important is uh, our incident retrospectives for SREs? Uh, very important. Um, SREs usually, uh, I mean, from the Google book, you call them postmortems, right? Um, learning from failure is very important. I mean, uh, even outside work, right? Just if, if you don't do anything, you're not going to get any results. But if you try, even if you fail, at least you just learn something. Uh, I mean, a lot of the times what I see in postmortems and retrospective is that uh, um, um, uh, there's this blame game going on and that's definitely not good. And it definitely doesn't provide a healthy uh, conversation uh, towards uh, retrospectives. Um, and it should be uh, a place where you can just say, okay, I failed, we've learned from this, this is the root cause, and this is what we're doing to prevent it from happening ever again, right? And by not only doing it within your team, but actually sharing it preferably or writing it down somewhere allows other teams to actually read or uh, uh, get, in, get into the postmortem sessions as well. So they can also learn from it to prevent it from even ever happening for those people. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely very important in, uh, in, uh, in the SRE position and within the organization. Very good. Uh, speaking of organizations, you know, like you said, there's got to be a strong view. There's got to be an understanding of the culture. What about understanding business? You know, there's a constant debate that, you know, the tech side doesn't pay enough attention to business. Business side doesn't pay enough attention to tech. Um, what was your business knowledge like prior to getting into this position? And how would you say it's grown and any recommendations that you might make for people out there who need to learn about how their customers, you know, companies are functioning? Uh, when I got into this position, I didn't know anything about the organization. So uh, I, I initially just had a bit of a uh, back foot into development teams, just more and more listening to how they work, more and more listening to uh, what problems they run into, uh, writing those down uh, from time to time to see if I could solve them or think of ways to improve the efficiency of it. Um, and that's, that, that's definitely took me like, well, probably like two or three months to actually, uh, make, make some sort of, a, a contribution that was valuable to the team. And from that point on, you also gain traction from your team. So that allows you to uh, maybe, uh, you know, go together with a developer developer and say like, well, could you, uh, 
just maybe like put this library into your application so I could get some more metrics out of it. And from there you get more insights and from more insights, you get more information. From more information, you get even more insights. And then you can say to the developer, well, that's, that's, bad. That, that's maybe a bad piece of code or you could do this or you could change it. Or can you help me change this? Because maybe you don't know how, how he actually made that. Or the, it, 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 you have to start from somewhere. You have, to, you, have, you, have to, you have to get the confidence of your development teams uh, that you development teams that you work with, and you have to get to know the stack. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Moment. Okay, get, talking about getting to know the stack, um, you know, you probably see you know different kinds of technologies, advantages and disadvantages. Uh, specifically, if we're talking about monitoring um, with using proprietary over open source, uh, I would say the advantage for uh, open source monitoring is that it's uh, highly customizable usually. Uh, you have the open source code. You can basically do whatever you want with it. Uh, and if you have any uh, uh, contributions to make, or if you've made any changes that actually uh, put any value, you can you can give back. You can give back so that everybody could use it. Um, disadvantage, I would say, um, you have to do it yourself. So there might be a little bit more operational time because you have to, you know, uh, apply the uh, open source uh, 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 solution yourself. You have to learn it. You might have to code a bit. Uh, you get less out of the box, I would say. Uh, not always, because there's definitely many uh, open source uh, uh, tools that give you actually a lot of, out of a lot out of the box, and uh, you might face some problems like integrating with existing solutions. If you, uh, a lot of the times I see that uh, with open source project, they're like basically made for the cloud where everything is new and everything fits. But if you uh, want to use open source code within a traditional organ, more traditional organization, you might run into problems with uh, with integration. Okay, very good. Now taking it more towards the, the data area, you know, big conversations for us in, in our community. We're talking about storage, we're talking about um, we're talking about stateful workloads, applications, we're talking about databases for, for and we're also talking about as well too, you know, the transition from DBA to SRE. Um, in, in, and now also as well, a new term that's, I would say, still not being very widely used, DBRE, you know, database reliability engineer. What do you think about that? Where are things going in the future from what you can see right now? As far as like for data integrity goes, uh, it's, I, I would say it's one of the most difficult things to, to monitor. Um, I would say that there's, that, that, that would like, we would, that we would have to do a talk about this or something because that's a big topic. And we will. And we will. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, would, I would distinguish maybe, let, let's just say two types of uh, 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 way where you could monitor your data integrity. And I'm going to go on the basic level. I'm not going to go in nitty gritty. Uh, you, you'd have like your black, more like a black box type of monitoring where you would uh, uh, monitor your data integrity surrounding your microservice or surrounding your application. Um, but you'd also have maybe um, uh, the, mon the, well, the other way would be to monitor the data within the application. So when, uh, when the application, when the data arrives in the application, is it actually uh, a valid information that the application should present to the end user? Uh, but that that's a whole nother level where you'd have to like develop uh, your own metrics and logs to be able to actually monitor that. So uh, yeah, those th those would be two types of ways uh, uh, to do uh, any uh, monitoring or data integrity for uh, with on Kubernetes at least. Um, and the development for uh, DBRE, I think it's good. Um, a lot. Of, uh, I've had situations where um, I expected the DBA team to proactively monitor stuff. And that's not always been the case. So I would say definitely go ahead and let's make some DBREs. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, good. So there is a future out there. Yeah. <laughs> there is a future out there. Um, another thing more Kubernetes specific, um, you know, a lot of, you know, talking about Kubernetes adoption, like the numbers are good, like all the, those kind of things. Um, in, in, in your perspective, uh, which is your favorite Kubernetes IDE? I don't, I don't really have a, a, a favorite one. Uh, I've worked with the OpenShift UI and Rancher, uh, played uh, with similar cloud K, uh, uh, like Kubernetes IDEs, uh, but I don't really have a preference. Uh, I'd like to try Lens. I haven't tried it yet, uh, but I hear a lot of good stuff about that uh, and it's open source as well. Uh, I would say that as long as the, the IDE you're using and not only you, but your team, uh, fits the knowledge level of the uh, the organization, then you're good to go. Um, if, if if the ID helps you a lot, then it might be more suitable for people that are starting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but if it if 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 it's uh, if it's more like a command line thing, or if it's more like a like a the traditional way of like the more native more native stuff uh, KAS, then I would I would yeah, it would definitely be more for the more advanced companies, like let's call it the Googles and, uh, and other companies. Okay. Yeah. Take, taking away from things that are so advanced, you know, if you have to explain, you know, your job to, uh, you know, an elderly person or a very young person and they come up to you and they say, Ben, uh, what is this SRE thing? What is it that you do in a couple <laughs> sentences? How do you, in a simple way, explain that? I would tell him that SREs make IT happen. Um, I would tell them that somebody built something or developed something, but who makes it available and keeps it that way? That would be the SRE. Okay. Well, so we can, we can think of a, a sort of, yes, like you said, the, the, the thing that allows other things to happen. Exactly. So once, and which is also what I realized, like I said, in the past of sitting with uh, all the IT ops folks, systems admins, et cetera, is that it's a thankless job, <laughs> you know. Most most of the time, it just it's just only focusing on the problems or that this is broken or this doesn't work, but not forgetting, you know, that the vast majority of the time, you know, we're the ones that are making IT happen, or you're the ones that are making IT happen, making these things function. Yeah, um, so that's a good way of putting it. Now, um, just to take this further, because you mentioned the RPG thing in the beginning, <laughs> are there any connection? <laughs> no, no, no. How did you get into RPG first of all, and second of all? Are there any parallels that you can make between uh, RPG things that you learned from that world that you've been able to apply to SRE? I Holy, imagine there has yes. to be. Oh, there yeah, have to be dozens. Lot, but yeah, yeah there, uh, uh, let's talk about some. Uh, communication, first of all. I mean, uh, I played the well-known uh, video game World of Warcraft. Uh, and back in the day, it was uh, 40 people online trying to do, uh, trying to kill a certain boss. I'm not going to get into the details. Uh, but you'd have to communicate over like IRC or anything like that because back in the day we didn't have Discord or anything cool like that. Uh, so we had to uh, like these 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 like very badly coded audio uh, programs where we t- where we talk with each other. Uh, in the background, you'd hear people uh, like uh, people's moms saying they have to stop playing video games or whatever. Like it, it would be like chaos because it was forty people. Imagine trying to guide forty people to do one thing. Wow. Right? That's 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 definitely difficult, and then leading those people to do those things, that's that's definitely something I enjoyed. I found it very challenging, but it's definitely got me communication skills. I mean, and patience, a lot oh, of patience. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, and forty people that would be in the Netherlands or all over the world. All over the world. And everyone with their own version of English or lack thereof. So I think yeah. I think that that's super super cool. All right, what else? Other kinds of things you learned from from RPGs? Well, English obviously, uh, like the English the English spoken language, but also preparing. So. Uh, because when you go and play with uh, 40 people, you have to say, we have to be online at eight o'clock 
and then we have the different time zones as well. Uh, we have to be prepared. So you have to get all your stuff ready. I'm not going to get into the details, uh, but you have to get all your stuff ready. Uh, uh, make, make sure that you're available for those three hours because 40 or 39, let's say 39 other people depend on you. If, if like five people say, well, I'm going to go in a smoke break, then it's going to, then five other people are going to go and 10 other people are going to go. So you have to be kind of like a, well, let's just call it an assertive person. Disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. Assertive and disciplined. But I think, but I think this is fascinating because a lot of times people might think like, Oh, how do my hobbies relate to your job? Well, of course they do. Like, and, and, and what, and, you know, at a certain point, you know, when does one become the other? But I think, I think that's, I think those are, those are, those are good things. I think also as well, like creativity solutions, different things like that. And those kind of situations where you're faced with a problem and you have to really think outside the box. I imagine that that will, will happen as well too in an SRE position. Cause like yeah. you said, you may not have all the answers, but you're there as the person who's best equipped to be able to explore, exactly. to be able to communicate. Like, another, yeah. another little thing, maybe that like, what, let's say that you're fighting the boss and half the people die, right? You still yeah. have to solve the problem of killing the boss. So you have yeah. to, you have to like, um, what is it? Troubleshoot, let's say, to uh, to try and uh, to still still do it with uh, half the people, so it's definitely another point. I just I, we could we could do a hundred. You could do a whole talk about video games and how it relates to IT. So, oh no 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 definitely there yeah <laughs> and, and, that, and, and there's oh we'll we'll have to talk about that later. But um, but no but I think that stuff's really good. Now thinking about um, if there's one thing that you could have learned <laughs> that you didn't know you know from RPG or other things like that before you got started as an SRE, what would it be? Saying, you know, it really would have been helpful if I had spent more time reading about this or learning about that. Of course, it can never be perfect and you are where you are right now and you're doing very well. Um, but if there's something that you could go back and maybe relearn or learn more deeply, what would it be? If I would, it would probably not be even something technical or something that I should have read. It would have probably been more like a life lesson thing where I would say, probably dealing with politics and the agenda of evil men, probably. The agenda of evil men. Yeah. Men are evil, That we can agree on that. <laughs> um, and they have agendas, which are also evil as extension. Yeah. Um, the political thing is a really good point. And, and once again, is that in, in you know, technical you know, programs or things like that, I don't know because I didn't study computer science, but I don't imagine that they have like, okay, let's have an office politics or company politics class um watch game of thrones watch house of cards watch you know something like get educated on things like that because it's true and it also affects technological decisions when we're talking about hey why don't you try to put your databases on kubernetes but someone in an organization is like no no no, i got three years until i'm retiring i'm not taking that on you know and, <laughs> and so it's it really a lot of times it's not that there's a better or worse technology is that is there a better or worse match for the company at that time as we said earlier, do you go from top to bottom, bottom to top, um, from you know C level or developers? So yeah, so learning about politics, you you could maybe teach a course on politics then. Well, I think it would be very interesting. I always wanted to do a master still because I've only done my bachelor. So, but I'm not gonna. I, I, if I would do a master, I would do something around the lines of uh, probably business psychology or something like that, because that would aid me even more in trying to understand the organization and uh, trying to uh, trying to understand what people actually want without them exactly saying it. That's true, because everybody kind of knows. Well, some people don't even know what they want. That gets complicated, or you need to help <laughs> them get to actually say that. Um, but I think it's a really good point. And at the end of the day, there's it's a big exercise in empathy 
everyone arrives to a company at a different point in time, has different objectives, has different pain points, different good relationships, relationships that need to be improved. Um, so there's a, there's definitely a lot of stuff there to be to be thought about. Um, good. Well, we are very very good. Oh, right, you're getting a shout out in 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 YouTube for the nice comparison between MMORPGs with real world <laughs> scenarios. No, but I think that's the thing is like a lot of people see that at face value and be like, oh, you know, it's a bunch of nerds gaming. It's like no no no, there's a lot more to that. You know, like let, let, let's just say that uh, I can always tell my parents. You see, it's it still turned out well for me. I played yeah. a lot of video games and it it, play, it turned out well. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, not everyone might be as capable as you have been to apply those skills. Um, but I think it's important is that people just not see it as something you can see it as like oh it's just a game but you can also see it as something where there's much more going on there you met people from different countries you learned a language the organizations of timing needing to be prepared that if you're in a tough situation where half your team dies you still have to defeat the boss how are you going to do that um learning to accept the loss as well like you said hitting the brick walls there are tons of parallels there um so i think it's i think it's a really positive thing um, speaking of parallels and stuff that we like to do here, um, I'm going to share my screen because oh boy. We're, we're getting to the getting to the final part. Um, <laughs> it's funny is that you said you said you were nervous. I don't even know if I believe that, um, but <laughs> because you're you're so calm and collected, um, as every good SRE should be. Um, but we have a tradition in our community where while we are doing the meetup. We have our wonderful graphic recorder, Angel, who is recording. Let me know when you can see my screen. <laughs> um, so I guess, I suppose you can see it. So while, while we've been talking, he's been creating this artistic depiction of all the stuff wow, we've been talking so about, cool. which of course isn't easy because you've touched on a lot of different things. Um, Angel as well too, English is his third language. Um, so he's doing all this um, with that sort of angle as well too. Um, but anyway, it's always a nice way to sort of be able to, to show the stuff that we've been talking about with um, with a sort of different twist. So yeah, we'll be sharing that on Slack and also on Twitter. Um, but it's like I said, just a nice way to sort of combine the you know technology, talks, and, and art simultaneously. We are just about out of time, Ben. So is there anything else, any final messages, resources that you would recommend if folks want to learn more about SRE? I don't know if you have any go-to sort of blogs or places that you like to well, go. Uh, uh, definitely read Phoenix Project. Uh, there's another new book uh, that's specifically focused on SRE from the same writer, which is called The Unicorn Project. Check that out as well. Uh, read the Google SRE book if you can. I know it's, a, it's like it's a big fat book and it's a lot of technical mumbo jumbo, but you just want to read it because there's always good things about uh, that good things that you can learn from it. And definitely just keep going. Don't let any brick walls hit, uh, hit you in the face uh, and uh, make, you, make, make them stop you. Just, just keep going. Keep going right. and solve those problems. Keep going and solve those problems. Don't get down on yourself. Um, like you said, you're going to encounter obstacles. We all do. Don't take it personally. It's not a big deal. Um, you have a lot of fans out here. So um, I'm going to, like I said, we are just about done, but I, I can tell why. Um, very nice to have you once again. If you want to hang out with people like ben, like ben, get in our Slack, ask questions. As you can see, it's very, very down to earth, as, as I would say most of the people are that are in our community. If they aren't, you can inform me and I will happily talk to them and something we can work on together. Um, but anyway, this is exactly what we're going for. We're here to share knowledge. We're not here to say we're better than anybody. Um, we can always be a little bit more Dutch and be honest with ourselves and honest <laughs> with each other. Um, so that's a good lesson. Ben, I hope to see you in the Netherlands this year, if not next year. Um, sure, let's meet up. You're welcome. A lot, a lot of really, really cool people out in the Netherlands. I'm a big fan of the Netherlands. 
Um, so that being said, thank you all very much. It was a great meetup, one of my favorites. I don't say that in every meetup, by the way. I think <laughs> this definitely was one of my favorites. Um, so we'll be seeing everybody in Slack. We'll share the recording uh, as soon as as soon as we're done. Ben, thank you very much, and we'll definitely.